Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein, aka Diamond Jeff. Uh, but you're not sparkling like a diamond right now, Jeff. You are in fact the unluckiest parlay better I know, and you may have reached peak mush last weekend with your four-prop parlay that you made on the podcast with the goal of getting our bankroll back to even in one fell swoop. You had CMC to score a touchdown. He scored the first touchdown. You had Saquon over 95.5 rushing and receiving yards. That one hit. You had Godwin over 7.5 receptions. No problem. And you had Keenan Allen over 6.5 receptions. He got to six with 11 minutes to go in the game, but never got number seven, despite receiving 13 targets. It didn't play out in that order, of course. The The Chargers game was Saturday night, so you knew the bet was a loser fairly early on. But still, you were one Keenan Allen reception away from a nice score. So I'll ask simply, as a friend, how are you, Jeff? You okay? Listen, it, it really has been an unbelievable run I've been on this year with this shit. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to recap you know, all the bad beats or whatever, all the stories here. But this keeps happening. I mean, you've, you've been witness to it. Yes. yes. Yes, I have. I, I read I read your columns every week. I see all the parlays you make. So, I mean, you know, on one hand, like I'm I'm relatively pleased that like I'm hitting like these, you know, these what would be individual bets at like probably a 70, 75 percent clip. Mm-hmm. But I, I I'm I'm just painfully close like every week to like hitting a big parlay and I keep missing by like the inches. It's, it's aggravating. It's aggravating. But this is life. Right. This is the life. This is the life. I <laughs> yes, I guess so. Have have you considered that maybe for next season, keep making your parlay bets, but also bet each individual leg? That's no fun. <laughs> All right. Sorry. I'm tra- just trying to help. <laughs> so uh, I, I made this bet myself in real life because I, I really liked the bet. Uh, so, so I took a shot for like six bucks to win $65 or so. Although by the time I made the bet, Mike Williams had been ruled out. So Allen's number had actually gone up to seven and a half. So uh, I, mi- I missed by two receptions, not not by one. Uh, but, you know, with CMC scoring that touchdown 
and then Allen missing by one catch on your bet, it felt to me like an absolute lock that the other two legs were going to hit. Uh, you know, we, we joked about it last week, which one of these legs is going to fall one yard or one catch short. So, uh, and, and I already mentioned this to you off air, so I'm sharing this for the listener's benefit. Once that Keenan Allen leg missed by one catch, I knew Barkley and Godwin were going to get there. So I did a new two-leg parlay with those two at like plus 210 odds, and it won. So I came out ahead overall on, on the deal. I'm glad, but, I'm glad somebody did. Yes. I, I just 13 targets and just six receptions for Allen. That brutal. Sports betting is not for those with low pain tolerances. No, and you know, and, and truthfully, I, like I've I've gotten to the point with this stuff that like it didn't I, I didn't even care. Like honest to God, like it, I saw it, I knew it. I'm like, well, missed it. You know, <laughs> on, onward and upward. You know, right. You're you're just numb to it all. I guess I am. I think that's good. I think that's a good thing. You know, that's, yeah. uh, you know, it's, you know, money's just, you know, I'm not betting big money on this stuff, obviously. That, that so, is important. You know, yes. It's it's fun. All right. So you, you have a, a high pain tolerance, uh, I suppose, and that's good. And uh, if you're a Gamble On listener, we know you have a high pain tolerance putting <laughs> up with this every week. So uh, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 225 of Gamble On. If you somehow missed any of our previous 224 episodes, they're all available on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. Please complete the subscribe rate review parlay and don't miss any of those three legs. Yeah, uh, although you probably miss, a, miss one if you're, you know, because that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the way we do things here. That's right. That's the way we do things. All right, listen, uh, coming up a little bit later, we're joined by uh, a friend friend of the show, ESPN's mm-hmm. David Payne Purdom. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, what's going on in the UFC, which is not good. Uh, hashtag not good. Uh, we'll be talking about that a little bit more in the gambling world. But first, as always, Eric, plenty of news to discuss. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Let's start with the official debuts of two new and noteworthy sportsbook brands. Uh, First, the most talked about new operator set to debut in 2023. The first Fanatic Sportsbook will open this Friday at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland, becoming the first retail sportsbook inside an NFL stadium. It remains uncertain exactly when and where the first Fanatic's mobile book will launch, but as of tomorrow, officially, Fanatic's will be taking bets. Meanwhile, Better, that's B-E-T-R, the micro-betting-focused online sportsbook affiliated with Jake Paul, is officially up and running in Ohio as of last Friday following a soft launch that began January 1st. Ohio is Paul's home state, and they've launched with a promotion that if anyone hits 30 qualifying microbets in a row, they'll win an extra million-dollar prize, which sounds great except for the part where winning 30 even money-ish bets in a row is almost as hard as filling out a perfect March Madness bracket. Anyway, Fanatic Sportsbook and Better are officially part of the U.S. sports betting landscape now. Jeff, how much do either of these brands move the needle for you? You know, at the risk of hedging, you know, it's a little too early to tell, but I think they both have kind of like big potential. Uh, you know, Jake Paul is obviously a very, very big name with, uh, you know, the, the the younger set of, you know, like my son, 13 years old, like, you know, you know, knows Jake Paul a lot more than I do. You know what right. I mean? Uh, that could certainly be paying dividends down the line. Right. If, if it catches a, just, you know, if it could stick around for a few years, I, I think there's there might be value there. Um, and as for fanatics, I mean, listen, they, they got to have the biggest and best customer database, you know, in the sports world, the side of FanDuel and DraftKings. They put together like what seems to be a pretty like 
top-notch, you know, executive team. I'm not going to say they can't miss, but like, I, I mean, if, if I woke up in, you know, two years from now and Fanatics was the number two or three sports book in the nation, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, there's certainly a lot of hype within the industry around Fanatics and it makes sense to, for that hype to exist. There, there's no reason to think they can't be a major player. Also, we should never assume they will be a major player. Um, but yeah, basically, like you said, they're obviously a strong company. They've made good hires. They have this mainstream reach and this giant database. And, and they're just something a little different than everyone else in terms of where they're coming from here. Um, you know, we talked last week about the big two and... Maybe it's too late for any new brand to crack that, but I guess if somebody can, it's it would be someone like Fanatics. But certainly we, are, we aren't going to learn anything based on how this one retail launch goes. It's when right. they launch mobile that we'll start to be able to judge their product and their success. As for better, it's hard for me to comment because I'm so not the target audience for micro betting or for Jake Paul. Um, uh, so instead, I'll just comment on this 30 in a row promotion. Uh, come on. No, no chance, no chance. Anyone wins 30 straight if they can't mix in some big minus a thousand type bets, which they can't. I think it all has to be like minus 140 uh, or, or, or better. I I hope people don't blow too much money chasing after this impossible task. I, then again, I, I guess how could you blow a lot of money? You know, once yeah, yeah, once you lose, you're out. Right. Once you've made a few bets and you've seen that, wow, I, I, I never win more than three or four in a row. I figure at that point, you're not going to empty the clip trying to get to 30. But right. um, I mean, I certainly hope better does well. It's it's always good to have more sports books available to customers. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing about Fanatics real quick, and mm-hmm. I think this is an important point. Uh, they their runway, I'm guessing, is pretty long, like internally, because, it you know, they're I, I'm going to say the only and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're going to be the only sports book out there where the sports book or gambling isn't like their main source of revenue. That's right. Uh, now I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who, where the sports book is not quite the main source of or revenue. Or casino, you know, where right, gambling right. is not the, right. You know? Right. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think if there's some, I, I, I that, that may be true. I don't, uh, don't hold me to it. If in case I'm brain farting on somebody else who came in for, you know, like a, right. there was like the maximum, maximum bet that came right. in from another space, but then right. quickly failed anyway. So, um, yeah, and you know, one thing that just uh, is interesting about Fanatics and their sort of their their long runway here is, uh, you know, Michael Rubin selling his ownership percentage in, in sports teams in order to take this on. Obviously, they're they're serious about it. He wouldn't be uh, doing this for some little side thing. So uh, even if it's not their sports betting isn't their main focus now, it's obviously a, a serious focus, or he wouldn't have divested himself in that way. For sure. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com bluewire. 
and Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. All right, let's check in on some handle and revenue numbers in Jeff's home state of New Jersey, uh, which reported December this week and thus finished its reporting for 2022 as a whole. Two numbers worth shining a particular light on. First, online casino for December, $151.5 million of revenue, the highest number in any state for any month ever. Uh, that's $2.2 million from online poker and $149.3 million from everything else, with Borgata number one in the state, but resorts close behind. Suffice to say, online casino revenues rise is not slowing down yet in the states that have it. But sports betting in New Jersey, a $1.06 billion handle month in December means handle for the year was $10.9 billion almost the exact same number as in 2021. It was up 0.1% year over year. New Jersey is a unique state, having been one of the first to launch and then losing some of its business last year with New York arriving on the scene. So this doesn't mean sports betting is plateauing elsewhere, but in New Jersey, it seems to be. So Jersey Jeff, uh, tease out your hair, pop the collar on your denim jacket, and let me know what you think of these figures reported by the NJDGE. You should know that I have a, a, the White Snake uh, cover out art on my airbrush on the back of my denim jacket. Uh, nice. <laughs> you know, from from their self-titled 1987 album. Um, <laughs> here you go again, Jeff. Here I go again. So first, the casino. I mean, that number is bananas. I mean, especially considering casino online casino is not new here. It's been going on for the better part of a decade. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's a crazy number. Uh, it's a crazy number, and I, I can't imagine. I'm I'm really surprised, honestly, that other legislatures aren't seeing this and be like, "Holy crap! Like this is a huge moneymaker." You know, I, I, you know, there's not the push for casino. There's not, you know, there's only one stakeholder, and that's the casino companies. You know, it's not like sports betting where there's other stakeholders. But I don't know. That's a big number as far as the handle goes. Honestly, I, I think I'm happy. You know, if I was, you know, dictator of New Jersey, I'm happy with that number. Sure. You know, we 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 kept. You know, we're exactly where we were before New York came on the scene that, you know, everyone thought we were going to drop 20, 25 percent. We didn't. You know, so I, I, I think both numbers, you know, if I if, if I'm if I'm crunching them at the state level, I'm happy with both numbers. Yeah, I mean, that New Jersey handle number is still gigantic. It just maybe isn't going to grow anymore. You know, I, I think we've pretty much seen the sports betting volume there now hit its peak. I mean, it's a fully mature market. There aren't too many people who haven't tried online sports betting yet and are going to try it soon other than you know kids who are about to turn 21 and certainly you know you're done with new yorkers specifically taking the train to the first stop in jersey just to make bets um so yeah if this is where it's leveled off still still a pretty high uh, level to be at um online casino i i can't tell if that similar plateauing might be coming soon i, I it obviously hasn't come yet but I kind of would think we're getting close to the top there because, you know, it's not a long-term beatable game the way sports betting at least can be. Um, So you would think people will eventually decide one by one that they've lost enough money. And then once they're able to bring themselves to walk away, that's that. You know, we've gone from $100 million in a month seeming enormous just a couple of years ago to $150 million regularly now. But... 
I'd be slightly surprised if New Jersey ever gets to 200 million. I, I, I kind of think the peak is coming soon, maybe in the next year or two. I mean, I kind of hope so for gambler's sake. Right. Because as you said, it's not a beatable game. And interestingly, you know, very curiously, they have not limited my casino play here in the state. Very interesting. <laughs> very curiously. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 I wonder yeah. I wonder why that is. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. I'll run, I'll run some numbers after the show. If you if you start to do anything that indicates to them that you may have any edge whatsoever in an online casino game, you're, you're, it it'll change quickly. But yeah, so, so far, you're, you're losing just to, just the way they'd like you to, I That's guess. That's it. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we finish with a topic we haven't touched on in a while. Uh, not since the Parlay Pats mess, really. Betters complaining to and about athletes online. In Ohio, where sports betting just launched at the start of the month, University of Dayton men's basketball coach Anthony Grant took a moment at a post-game press conference Tuesday to obliquely reference his players being targeted with negative comments from sports bettors. Uh, our own Bennett Conlon dug up some of the tweets. These were following Dayton coughing up a big lead and losing last week. Uh, one said Dayton threw the game. Another complained about them costing him a lot of money. Some targeted individual players. Not every tweet was explicitly about sports betting or necessarily from a sports better, but many of them clearly were. And Coach Grant seems to be suggesting this is on the rise since legal wagering came to Ohio. Jeff, there will always be people, gamblers or otherwise, who don't know how to behave respectfully online and thanks to the anonymity afforded by some social media sites, will cross the line in this way. Is there anything that can be done about it? And do you see this possibly leading to some states considering dropping college sports from the betting menu if it gets worse? To quote the great philosopher, Dark Helmet, <laughs> I'm surrounded by assholes. <laughs> well done. It's the truth. I mean, yeah. you know, listen, we're, people are jerks in this world and people are going to continue to be jerks in this world. And then there are people who are jerks and who also lose money gambling yep. and will continue to be jerks. And now will transfer their jerkiness to Twitter and yell at athletes. Uh, banning college sports betting isn't the answer to this. I mean, there is no answer. I, if anything, I think that uh, universities should educate their athletes to say, listen, this is going to happen to you. Don't, you know, you can't let it bother you. Right. You know, it, it, it's overall, I mean, it's a terrible look for everybody. Right. Yes. And it's just uh, what what can you do? There's nothing to do about it except you know, and you know it's it does it's not limited obviously to college athletics. You know these pro athletes occasionally you know I mean they always get crap from people on Twitter, right. but they will occasionally fire back and like you know it. I guess it could be hurtful, but like again I don't know. At the pro level, at least you're getting paid. You know the college level right. is a little bit different. And I you know listen we we could get into. A lot of arguments about whether or not college betting should be legal or not, but the 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 point that I lost here was that <laughs> there's there's no stopping it. There's no way to stop it. Yeah. There's just educating the athletes to ignore it. I think that's the best bet. Yeah, I, I think that's a probably a, a a practice that should these uh, athletic departments at these universities should be working that into their program. Um, the I do like it when a pro athlete snaps back snarkily at somebody basically you know you you cost me my fantasy football championship and they're just, and just some sort of i couldn't care less about your fantasy football team sort of comment i i like when the when the athletes do that as long as it's playful and makes the person uh, tweeting at them feel stupid um but i'm i'm 
uh, sort of just side topic here that uh, and you now got me excited to tweet out the link to this podcast with a dark helmet uh, gif uh, huh. Along with it, I, I, I assume I'm surrounded by assholes has to be available as a as a GIF uh, on the Twitter machine. So um, I'll be looking for that shortly. Um, and I mean, I have no problem with just general whining online about losing bets. Um, I mean, it's lame. It makes me think you're someone I don't want to hang out with. You know, I, I wrote that whole column that was anti people who think every bet they lose qualifies as a bad beat. Um, but still, there, there's no harm in venting on social media about how unlucky you are, how how close you came and all that sort of stuff. We did it a bit at the top of the show regarding the Keenan Allen parlay. And uh, don't be surprised if I do it again before the show is over. But, you know, once you blame an athlete, tag an athlete, accuse someone of throwing the game, that's where it goes to another place. And the person who does that needs to seriously soul search about whether they have a problem, either a gambling problem or a basic human maturity problem or both. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only way we're going to see that re- a reduction in that is if social media sites start forcing everyone to use their own real name and identity. And it's still not going to go away. It'll just uh, reduce it a little bit if the anonymity is gone. But yeah, I mean, even if it wasn't happening as much with Dayton Sports specifically before Ohio Sports Betting launched, people all over the world could still bet legally or illegally on Dayton games before this. So it's going to exist either way. Yeah, and just maybe just, you know, let's let's just bet on real sports, not college sports. Uh, How about that? <laughs> so college sports are not real sports? That's what no, you're saying? They're, no, they're real sports. But it's I mean, I honestly I mean, again, this is side topic. I uh, am surprised that we're all like, OK, with betting on college sports, like we're betting on amateur athletes here, which to me is a little surprising. I'm surprised that we like allow that to happen because it would seem now again, I'm not like there's no accusations flying here. But, like, as we have seen numerous times in the past, like, college athletes are gettable by, you know, bad actors, you know? It would seem to me, and I know, like, yes, when it's legal, it's all above board, and, you know, we could follow it, we could track it closer. But uh, I don't know. There there is something a little bit, uh, to me, there's just something a little bit icky about, like, you know, betting on, you know, an 18-year-old kid, you know, who's, you know, the eighth guy off the bench. You know, like, it's not his fault. Right. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, it's it's a whole other thing. There are also, of course, some uh, college athletes who are not anywhere close to 18, such as the Georgia quarterback, who's, I, th- I think, older than I am. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, there's a rule in Pennsylvania that doesn't exist in New Jersey that here we can't bet player props on anything college. I kind of like that. I mean, it also it helps that I don't follow college sports carefully. And so I don't really care about betting on any, you know, maybe I'd be more upset if it was something that I actually liked betting on that I can't bet on. But just uh, in principle, I kind of like the idea of at least taking the individuals out of it and you can only bet on team stuff. I think that's a decent half measure, maybe. All right. We'll we'll settle on a half measure. Okay. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview.
Many of us in the sports betting industry weren't too familiar with the name James Krause a couple of months ago, but we all know it now since the MMA trainer has been suspended by the UFC for his alleged role in a betting scandal. And since we recently learned he has worked as an agent for offshore sports books. And we know about James Krause and these alleged transgressions in large part because of David Payne Purdom, the ESPN reporter who's been covering this story more closely than anyone. So joining us now to talk about the Krause situation, as well as other gambling industry topics, is our friend David Purdom. David, thanks so much for joining us again on Gamble On. Hey, thanks for having me. So initially, this Krause controversy seemed more about UFC than about sports betting, but it has now evolved to where it seems to me to be a sports betting industry story first and a UFC story second. Is that how you see it? And and did you have any notion of the scope of it when you first started reporting on it? Yeah, I mean, like a seemingly a lot of stories these days, uh, it kind of began with a tweet. I, I saw it on the Saturday night of the fight, November 5th. Somebody had flagged it about some, uh, you know, unusual odds movement on this fight. It was uh, Derek Minner and Shailon Nair Dambique, um, well a UFC fight. I think I tried that. <laughs> uh, and he, the, the odds moved dramatically towards uh, the favorite Nair Dambique. Um, so we kind of flagged it. I kind of cut my eye on it, but I certainly didn't expect it to snowball into what it's become. But with each, you know, little thread we pulled on the story, who is James Krause? What exactly was the suspicious betting on this fight like? Uh, who else is involved? The story seemed to grow and grow and grow and this massive, massive scope and just a web of of all kinds of different little facets of this and tentacles to different areas. And I don't believe we're anywhere close to being done yet either. Um, whether this is a sports betting industry story or a UFC story, I, I kind of agree with it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, this is probably going to turn out to be one of the largest uh, betting scandals we've had since the legalization of sports betting in 2018. Um, we do not know if this fight was actually compromised for betting purposes at this time. Uh, per, per, obviously, a lot of signs that there was something uh, untoward going on here. I mean, the, the kind of line movement we saw and odds movement we saw, it, it was pretty unprecedented. And the one thing that really stuck out to me, and I'll, I'll leave it at this, was that when we talked to some of the sports books, okay, what, what was the suspicious betting? And they talked to me about how they were betting, bettors were betting on Nerdambique, the favorite to win in the first round by TKO, an exact result, as they call it, right? And you get longer odds. Well, one sports book said that it moved that price on that odds all the way down from like plus 400 uh, to all the way down to almost even money, like plus 120, which is pretty much unheard of for that kind of event. And even though they moved the odds, and this is where it really stuck out to the books, people kept betting it. It didn't stop. They had moved it to such a ridiculous price and people kept betting it to quote one of the uh, bookmakers like they knew what was going to happen. And Nerdambique did go ahead and win by TKO in the first round. Yeah, at a certain point, it, it gets hard to believe that there could be just coincidence fueling fueling the, the scenario that you're seeing. As far as, uh, you know, you suggesting 
this could go a lot further. This could get even bigger. I heard an MMA podcast talking about your article. Um, this was uh, Morning Combat, co-hosted by my friend Brian Campbell, former ESPN colleague of yours. And they inferred from your reporting that it feels like the FBI is going after bigger fish and, and using Krauss to maybe get to someone else. Uh, obviously, you don't want to burn your sources or anything, but I'm just curious, do, do you share any of that thinking about where this could be headed? I definitely think that they are taking a wide uh, approach to this and going, you know, way outside of, of just Krauss and, and any of the fight participants, for example. Um, do I think that they have another target that's bigger? I don't know. Um, I don't know that at all. Um, right now, I just know that they've been gathering information about this for, you know, almost two months. Uh, they've been speaking to people about it uh, for quite some time. Uh, but the, what their actual target in the investigation is, I, I wouldn't know. Okay. You know, it seems to me that the UFC kind of sort of rake step right into this. Uh, for, you know, up until a few months ago, they allowed anyone associated with the league to bet, including the fighters themselves could bet on themselves or other fighters. Uh, that practice was disallowed, coincidentally, maybe, uh, after Kraus started bragging about how much money he was making over the summer. Um, other leagues obviously don't allow players to bet on their own games or, you know, anyone, you know, employed by the league to bet on their own league, you know, in their games. But mm -hmm. they do allow, you know, if I'm an NBA player, I could bet on the NFL and so forth and so on. Do you think it's a good idea? Or do you think maybe the league should, like, kind of button this up? You know, and, you know, the NFL doesn't allow its employees outside of the players to bet on anything, period. Um, you know, hate to see one of those cross-sport betting scandals erupt around here. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think the athletes should be allowed to bet is really what it comes down to? Oh, absolutely. I do not certainly think they should be allowed to bet on anything they are directly involved in. Right. And the other leagues and so forth, uh, that's up for debate. If people are responsible and can bet on other leagues without taking any kind of nefarious approach and responsible the way they they wager I, I i guess that's okay but i guess the fear is that anytime you start betting if you get in over your head and you lose control then you are vulnerable to being compromised right and, and that's what everything it, it, i agree with you it is just really wild to think that the ufc allowed the fighters and their teams to bet on ufc bets until they changed that rule just in October, just in October. Yeah. So, you know, for however long the UFC has been going on, fighters and teams were allowed to bet on UFC fights. That is just crazy. I, I don't understand the thinking of that. But then again, you know, we'll see people on social media who still believe that as long as an athlete or a coach or whatever is betting on themselves to win, that it's okay. I disagree with that. And I just think ultimately it's a net negative to have anybody putting money. Are they putting the same amount of money every time on themselves to win? Are they betting every match to win? And if they're not, are they trying not as hard in those matches they don't have money on? You don't know. It, it just seems like it's a net negative to me. And I almost think because deterrence is basically the only um, – weapon that the sports leagues have to stop this you you, you cannot uh completely prevent it right i mean athletes have phones they have brothers they have sisters they have friends if they want to place a bet they're going to and i actually think that the league should take a stronger stance a lot of people have uh, you know been outraged about a year for calvin ridley for for betting on games being suspended and if it's going to continue to happen, and we've had multiple NFL players, Josh Shaw, Calvin Ridley, both have been uh, subject, and then we had the, the, the Jets coach, uh, Miles Austin, uh, to it. 
uh, it's hard for me to think that this deterrent is is working. Um, maybe it needs to be harsher. Maybe it's two seasons, and suddenly they're like, okay, wait a second. I do not even need to get anywhere near that. Uh, all right, different topic here. Something uh, that uh, you, you just wrote about, uh, this $1.4 million bet on DraftKings on the Chargers money line to win $11,200. Um, you quoted various people sharing their thoughts on whether anyone in the industry should be bringing attention to an embarrassing loss like this. So what's your opinion? Is this bad for business or is it good because it gets people talking? Well, this one is the most extreme example that I've ever seen. We hear about um, large bets on really short money line favorites uh, when people are betting 100,000 to win 1,000 or just some you know crazy amount. It sounds ridiculous uh, often. Um, but this one, $1.4 million to win $11,200. That is just extreme to the max. And I want to make sure that people know how this got publicized. It wasn't DraftKings posting it on their Twitter and, you know, going about that way. It was Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report gets a lot of screenshots of, of these betting slips, and they receive this one somehow. And they are the first one that posted it. Now, DraftKings did confirm it, and they confirmed when the bet was placed, uh, when the Chargers were up 27 nothing there in the second quarter. It was a span of about four minutes of game time that it, that it was up there. Um, so it, DraftKings did not put it out in their social media. They did not, you know, really promote it anywhere that I saw. Um, so this was a thing that somehow that bet slip made it to Bleacher Report, and they promoted it. Now, let's say this was a more less a less extreme example, and DraftKings did promote it. Is that good or bad? If they have the better's permission, which is typically the uh, PR department's uh, process, they have to get the better's permission uh, before they will uh, publicize it. Um, then you know the better than care. Why why should we care? And I do think it's talking. Uh, people get mad about why why are you guys reporting that? Why are you guys reporting that? Well, I cover sports betting. Should I not cover right about the bets that are being placed in sports betting? I, I, you know, that, that's a little bit of a conundrum for me. I don't understand how people could possibly think that we would not report something about that. So uh, short, long, long answer there. But um, as long as the better is OK with it. Um, I think that it is fine to report these bets. Now, uh, Mr. Jeff wrote an article about being limited, and he had some strong words that why is this guy allowed to bet this much when I can't even bet? Was it 28 cents on the Oscars? Was that what it was? Jeff? I couldn't bet 88 cents. I wouldn't let me bet one, one penny. One penny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's a, that's a whole different story. But people used that too. Oh, how come I'm limited? There's no way they would take that kind of bet if I'm limited to this. Obviously, that's not true. There are. People are allowed to bet uh, certain amounts, whether it's fair or not. It's the fact that the VIPs in Wales uh, are given perks that far exceed any betting limits of regular people or sharp guys like Jeff. So uh, it, it's it's really dumbfounding to me when people get all outraged about this. Um, I, it just doesn't seem like it's really that worthy of, of getting upset about I'd like I'd like to just edit uh, sharp and in, 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 as you referred to me, I'd like to put that in quotes with the uh, eyeball emojis looking at it. Please. <laughs> Listen, it's it's out there that uh, an authority in the industry, David Payne Purdom, called you sharp. It's official now. You're sharp, yep. Jeff. There's no going I get, back. 
Can I legally change my name now to Diamond Jeff? Is that <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get the paperwork started. Excellent. Uh, so, uh, David, you've been covering the gambling industry in one form or another for a very long time now. Um, obviously, and since you've been covering it, I'm guessing PASP has been like the biggest story, you know, the biggest news. But uh, what do you what do you what do you see, you know, in your crystal ball for the future of the industry? You know, soft books versus the old style books. Who's mm-hmm. going to win that battle? Any, anything on your mind that you see, like in the next five, 10 years down the road in this industry? Well, we'll start with that soft book versus the the, the, the sharp book uh, model. You know, the sharp book is basically circa. Maybe you could put the betting exchanges in there a little bit. Um, but there are one circa and one pinnacle and there are hundreds of soft books. I think there's a reason by that. I think the business model has proven to be more successful over time for, for the soft book model. Unfortunately for uh, diamond Jeff there, uh, <laughs> that, that, that seems to be, I don't necessarily agree with it. I'm an advocate for minimum bet liabilities. I think you should know how much you are able to bet a uh, minimum amount for e- each time. Um, but the reality is right now, that's not where we're at. And I don't know how that will change now. Uh, Jeff and I noticed as well that the Massachusetts Gaming Commission brought it up, right? I yeah. thought that was really interesting. And I'm, I'm hoping to follow that story as well to see how that comes about and uh, see where that comes. Second thing, other than that, I think we're headed to some backlash. I, I really do some regulatory backlash whether it becomes from problem gambling or advertising. Uh, we're seeing Ohio really coming out and, and hammering some pe- some sports books uh, for some some errors in, in their marketing, uh, getting stuff to people that was prohibited or uh, not of age yet. Um, I just think that the aggressiveness of this battle for customer and market share that started off uh, is destined to be eventually facing some pushback and some regulatory scrutiny. So uh, that's what I think we're in the next year, next year and a half, we're going to see some pushback and some pullback. And I would add that I think that's probably a lot how a lot of new industries when they come into the regulated world start you know they go as fast as they can knowing that eventually somebody's gonna say okay wait a second they're gonna pull back and so they want to get as far as they can right before they then they can make some concessions you know okay now okay we'll we'll back off on this a little bit but they've already got so aggressive with it so that's what i see happening is is that we're going to see some sort of regulatory pushback or backlash at some point here Sounds good. Yeah, I'm sticking with Diamond Jeff. It's official. I'm, I'm getting stationary <laughs> printed up. Nice. Well, uh, we, we need to get uh, David a, a gambling nickname then if he doesn't already have one. We got Diamond Jeff. I'm I'm Red Hot Rasky uh, these days. Uh, it could could go away at any minute. I could be ice cold Rasky in the blink of an <laughs> eye. But uh, but do, do you have a, a gambling nickname that you use, David, or should we start uh, brainstorming one? Yeah, you guys are going to have to come up with one. I, I guess my Twitter bio kind of speaks for my gambling prowess. Uh, I write <laughs> so, about gambling, so, but I am not good at gambling. So so in that case, how about David Maximum Pain Purdom? Yes, like that was perfect. That was a okay. painful picks or something like that. <laughs> right, there we go. All right, well, uh, it's always great talking to you, David. Uh, I'll let uh, all our listeners know, just in case somehow they don't, uh, you can read him at ESPN.com slash chalk. Follow him on Twitter at David Purdom. Uh, Mr. Maximum Pain uh, or Mr. Pain painful picks uh we'll see which one uh which one ends up uh sticking but uh thanks so much for coming on the podcast again thank you guys thanks david two men ten thousand dollars will they run it up or blow it all it's time to check in on the gamble on bankroll
We'll get to bagels and locks and some DFS talk shortly, but first, let's update our betting bankroll. And this week, a bit up and down, strikes and gutters, as the dude said. Uh, as noted at the top of the show, Jeff's get us back to even parlay fell one Keenan Allen catch short, and we lost $150. I also fell one leg short on my three-team teaser, Bengals and 49ers covered, but the Bills. Uh, remember that I said when I initially singled out the bet for the podcast that on Wednesday they were minus nine and we were going to tease it down to minus two, but by Thursday morning when I locked in my bets, it was minus 12 because of the quarterback news and we only brought it down to minus five and that didn't cover. They won by three. So uh, we lost $200. Uh, Jeff's golf picks that he absorbs in his sleep. Uh, Andrew Putnam <laughs> to win didn't quite happen, but Putnam finished in a three-way tie for fourth place, which means a two-thirds chop. So we lost $10 on the outright win bet, but won 113 on the top five bet. And then my boxing bet was a winner, F.A. Ajagba, by decision to plus 360. He won a close but clear decision in a fight that was boring and utterly unwatchable, unless you had money on it. Uh, so for the week, we lost $103. Uh, we're now down by $1,817. Still have $1,395 on hold in futures bets, and that leaves us with $6,788 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first, and I'm just extending a conversation we had toward the end of last week's pod and spinning it into a bet. We were talking about Super Bowl MVP odds, and you noted Brock Purdy was the fourth favorite, and I asked what McCaffrey was, and you said plus 2,000, which sounded like good value, so I bet it in real life. Then the Niners beat the Seahawks, and they went from needing to win four games to win the Super Bowl to only needing to win three more games. I figured the odds would shorten, but McCaffrey can still be found as high as plus 2,000 on a team that's plus 450 to win the Super Bowl. Um, I don't totally believe in the Niners, actually. I, I wouldn't even be shocked if they lost to Dallas this week. I think it's a tough matchup for them. But 20 to 1 on a player like CMC who can do it all and is playing with a quarterback who isn't expected to carry his team the way other quarterbacks are. It's just too high a price. So let's bet $25 to win 500 on McCaffrey Super Bowl MVP. That's I, I like that bet. It's a good All bet. Right. All right. Uh, I'm going to go back to the well on golf because why not? Although this sure. week I'm, gonna, I'm cheating just a little bit. I'm going with uh, our, our uh, you know, our, from our sister site over there at Scores and Odds, Derek Farnsworth, Notorious. He, yeah. he likes Cam Davis as one of his picks this week, so I'm, I'm rolling with it. Okay. So Cam Davis, 10 bucks to win the outright at plus 5,000. And uh, we'll throw another 20 on him to finish in the top 10 at 450. All right, so uh, let's hope uh, Notorious knows his stuff. I, I believe he does. He does. He does. Yeah. And I, it, I just, I don't know. I've been reading him, and there's something in the something in his English this week when he was writing about Cam Davis. I like okay. it. All right. Um, so for my next bet, now it would be irresponsible of me to say the NFL wants certain teams to win certain games, and that the referees know which teams the league would like to see win. It would be irresponsible. Oh boy. So, so, so I will not say that. Oh no. Uh, but. Boy, Chiefs versus Bills, rematch to last year's amazing overtime playoff game, this time in the AFC Championship game on a neutral field, that unprecedented situation. I don't think league officials would be sad if those teams advanced, but I'm not saying you're suggesting anything. Uh, anyhow, uh, the Chiefs, they may not cover against the Jags, but I'm fairly confident they'll win. And on the other game there, with their offensive line decimated, the Bengals are in trouble in Buffalo. Uh, Joe Burrow is a special quarterback, but... I don't know. It's a lot to ask. It's going to be a Chiefs-Bills AFC title game, I believe. I, I shopped around, found that parlay of the two favorites at minus 130 at points bet. 
I know it goes against our Super Bowl bets on the Bengals, but you know, you have to adjust. You have to be flexible. We didn't know the Bengals would have three starting offensive linemen get hurt. Sometimes you just need to know when to cut your losses. And look, if the Bengals win, okay, good. We're still alive on that. But if not, we can salvage some money here as long as the Chiefs also beat the Jags. So let's go 130 to win 100 on this parlay. I like it. Yeah, the Bengals are uh, that uh, the offensive line is troublesome. It was a lead... great it was a great bet when you made it. You got it at yeah, what, 20 yeah. to 1 and they shortened all the way to about 8 to 1, but yeah. stuff happens. Which leads me into my next bet here. Uh, you know, I, I think we should dip our toes back into some props here, maybe, and okay. put together a little four-team parlay. All right. Plus, <laughs> here we go, baby. Hundred bucks at plus thirteen ten. All right. Okay. So we're not gonna we won't get all the way back, but we'll get close. Ready? Uh huh. Travis Kelsey over seventy-nine and a half receiving yards. Okay. They're gonna be throwing the ball all day long. Even if they're up twenty-eight nothing, they're gonna be throwing the ball. Kelsey over seventy-nine and a half. Jalen Hurts. Over 50 and a half rushing yards. He might get that on the first drive. Okay. I hope he does. Okay. The Buffalo Bills over three and a half total touchdowns. Hmm. Okay. I love that one. That that I love by itself. A play, you can get that at plus 140 at DraftKings. Oh, all right. And Christian McCaffrey, anytime touchdown at minus 140. All told, 1310. And uh, we're taking this one, baby. Boy. After. Uh, I, I mean, you could just pencil in Travis Kelsey for 79 receiving yards right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Falling a half yard short. And then and then if that happens, the bet is over in the very first game of the weekend. And I know to load up yes. on the other three. Exactly. Although, if I had to say the one that makes me that I'm the least certain of here, it's actually probably hurts just because of the shoulder thing and that they didn't really do any designed runs for him in week 18. Now, this is different. He's had two more weeks to to rest, and this is a loser-go-home game. So uh, chances are they use him as a runner more than they did in week 18, but I'm worried they'll use him as a runner a lot less than they did typically throughout the season. So that one makes me a little nervous. You know, actually, where I lose this bet, Hertz goes over 50.5 like on the first drive. The Eagles score a defensive <laughs> touchdown. Uh-huh. You know, next, you know they uh, pass to A.J. Brands, 21 nothing at the half. They slow it down in the second half like they always do. You know, Sanders, Gainwell, Boston Scott. Hurts uh-huh. is sitting at 52 yards rushing. <laughs> yep. Three kneel downs, and I lose. I wish you – so that's where you want to do the the lightning bets or the, you know, the, the in-game bets on each play where you can, if they give you the option to bet on a, a, a negative negative rushing play toward the end. Although yeah. I guess they're not going to give you that option once the Eagles are in victory formation. So never mind. I I could live with that though because this you're you're telling me the Eagles win in a blowout, and so uh, I do uh, think they do. So, by the so way. It, I, I I I'm I'm in it too much to have any clear picture of what the hell is going to happen in this game. But uh, the other bet I was thinking of was a plus two forty all money line on all the favorites. I, I really like all the favorites this week. The yeah. Niners I like the least, but I still like right. them. You know, but. So that will that that'll cash the one that we're not making. Probably well that that at least that if that overlaps with the bet I made on the two AFC favorites at least. So we'll we'll, yeah we only need those two. But and and I'm with you on which of the four favorites makes makes me I'm the least confident in. But uh, I guess we'll we'll get to that in a sec because it's time for bagels and locks. I hope our bagels are good because our locks suck. Uh, (laughs) you, You had the Vikings minus three against the Giants. That didn't work out so well. And I had Elijah Mitchell to rush for over 35 and a half yards. He had 
Let's see. Carry the one. Uh, two yards. Mm. On nine carries. Mm. I got the usage right. Um, I'm now three, six, and one with my alleged locks. You slipped to five and five. But we can't give up. Small sample size, you know, it means nothing. We're better than this. Uh, Jeff, you're up first. Yeah, I mean, I'm just talking about it. The Eagles given the points. Uh, they're healthy. You know, the last game that means nothing to me. They just the Eagles did just whatever they had to do just to get out of there with the victory against the Giants. Uh, they're going to dominate on the ground. The Giants' rush defense is just pitiful. Um, and you know, this is the Eagles rushed for like what 250 odd yards or something the first time they played against right. them. I expect to see more of the same. Uh, listen, I, I grew up a Giants fan, and like you know, the Giants are a fun story, but it, it ends here. And and what's the best? Is it minus seven? Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Okay. All right. Well, I sure hope you win. Uh, So I had trouble finding a lock anywhere among the eight teams against the spread. Um, At one point, the Cowboys were getting like four and a half points. Now it's down to three and a half. It's still decent, but I don't know. It's not quite a lock. Uh, Instead, my lock is the under in that Cowboys Niners game. It's Mm. the lowest total on the board, 46. But I think it'll stay under that. These are two excellent defenses. The Cowboys are going to get pressure on Brock Purdy. I firmly believe this is the game where the hype on Purdy eases up. It doesn't mean he won't play decently or San Francisco won't win, but I think he's going to struggle more than he has in any other game. I don't see him putting up big numbers. And Dallas, their offense is good, but not as good as it looked against a terrible Tampa defensive scheme. I just don't see either team scoring a whole bunch of points here. And that's before you even get into the extra points and field goals that Brett Maher may miss. Um, So this one is staying under. I'm sure of it. Never been more sure of anything in my life. Cowboys Niners under 46. Take it to the bank and tell them Red Hot Rasky sent you. That's uh, that's what's known as false bravado, Jeff. I actually have no idea if this bet's going to win, but best I could do. That's good. I bought it. I bought it. Good. All right. We finished the show, as always, with DFS talk. Uh, The last sort of half-decent week of DFS football. Uh, What's on your mind, Jeff? Yeah, I don't know. I never do well in these late-season playoff contests. Uh, You know, I took a look at it. The the one thing that stood out to me, you know, I I build a dummy lineup. You know, I go like, well, that's not a dummy lineup. It's like it usually ends up being like my best lineup of the week. (laughs) Right. But, like, it, it ends up, like, just loading up on Chiefs and Eagles. Like, I just see both teams doing really well. Um, and so, like, if, you know, to, if you're going to do that, obviously, you want to do it, like, in a smaller field, single entry type thing, you know, where you're having, like, you know, three or four players from each side. But, uh, you know, like, I love Miles Sanders. I love McKinnon. I love Mahomes. I love Hurts. You know, I love A.J. Brown. I love Devonta Smith. You know, it, it's, you know, I, and I, I in my in my estimation, these two teams are going to be the highest scoring teams of the week. So what the hell? I'm just, you know, I'm probably going to build a few small field teams with that. But after that, I mean, you know, it's so hard, I think, to it becomes so much. I feel like it's luck plays a a much bigger role in these small field playoff tournaments than they do in the regular season. The Mm -hmm. the edges are gone. You know, it's just, you know, do you get lucky? Do you you play the guy who gets two touchdowns? Right. Yeah. So so with both of those games that you're focusing on being Saturday games, does that mean you'll. You, would you rather put that in a Saturday-only contest, or uh, is do you actually have a better edge if it goes off, I guess, in a contest where some people are taking Sunday players, too? I mean, probably the latter, although, like, just, you know, as a general rule, like, you want to fade the early game. You know what I mean? Like, right. people, like, load up on those Saturday games. I didn't even think about that, honestly. So I'm screwed, basically. <laughs> 
Well, you could put them in just some of the Saturday only contests, I guess, if you're feeling that strong about Chiefs and Eagles. And then I get well, I, 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 maybe I, I might just you know do Venmo a, do a Jason. No, nah, I'll just oh. Venmo Jason Robbins two hundred and fifty dollars. Be done with it. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, I would like to use this opportunity to talk about my virgin best ball experience. Um, it was really fun for the most part. Uh, I did I did just one draft on DraftKings, a twelve dollar entry. I thought I had a pretty solid draft, no glaring holes in my lineup, and the sweat was fun. I had various guys racking up points throughout the weekend. I came into Monday night in second place out of six, needing big games from Tony Pollard and or Dalton Schultz to have a chance, and Schultz delivered. Uh, I took the lead. Four people were drawing dead. Just one guy was close enough to catch me, and he had Brady, Fournette, and one of his last picks in the draft, afterthought Julio Jones. Uh, Mm. All of them had done zilch. Then Julio caught a touchdown pass in the third quarter, and it got a little closer. Still, I held on to the lead until there was under three minutes to play. The game was 31-7. Russell Gage got badly injured. There was a long delay in the game. And I thought maybe the Bucks would just pull their starters, concede, not get anyone else hurt. But uh, not the case. My opponent passed me on garbage time stats from Brady and Julio, and that was that. And, you know, that's fantasy. Big money is often won and lost in garbage time. So be it. But I had a team that was really positioned to do well next round. 15 of my 20 players were going to be moving on. The guy who beat me has six players who advanced to this weekend. No quarterback, no tight end. He has no chance. And my lineup that would have had a chance is done. Uh, It was about as bummed as I've been from fantasy in a long time, just because I loved the format and the the sweat and everything, and I was already thinking ahead to next week. Uh, I imagine this all sounds sort of silly to a guy who drafts 200 best ball teams and doesn't pay attention to any of them until the Super Bowl, (laughs) but that was my experience. Well, playoff best ball is a a cruel mistress for sure, because... Yeah, th- what what you experienced happens with alarming regularity where, you know, like like DK Metcalf in the wild card round, you know, people mm-hmm. like, you know, are, are drawing dead because they had. Well, I shouldn't say that, but like the point being, yes, right. this what happened to you can happen in regular season best ball. It's really not the case. You know, it, it's not the way it goes. But uh, yeah, playoff be- playoff best ball is crazy. It, it, <laughs> I, I can't even tell you how great it's crazy. I love it. But it, it is crazy. It is like it's crazy. Yeah, I think I think you need to take an approach a little more, maybe not as extreme as yours with the number of lineups, but a little more like yours, where I'm not just sweating one lineup, you know, and and yeah, and no. thus there's a 83 percent chance that with my one lineup, I'm done after one week. And, and, and that's that. So, yeah, maybe if I had built 10 lineups. I'd have one or two to continue to sweat this week. But you will not be surprised to learn that the guy who beat me had DK Metcalf. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a uh, yeah, I am happy. I, 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 I did better. I had, I got like, you know, I should have gotten like 29, 30 percent of my teams through. I got like 45 percent of my teams through the first. Oh, round. wow. So I'm, okay. so I'm happy. Yeah, you know, it'll, it'll be a heartbreaking loss eventually, but I'm happy for now. <laughs> All right, that's good. So, so you have uh, you have at least looked at how many of them advanced. You're not quite yes. sweating the the individual lineups necessarily at this point in the no. in the game, but you no. you know how many are still alive. That sounds like a pretty high percentage. Yeah, no, I yeah. did well. I I I I'm pretty good at best ball, as it turns out. <laughs> right. But uh, it's it. I mean, it is it, it's troubling the. Listen, dude, I looked at my. I, you know, I get that screen time report. You know. <laughs> oh yes. Last, do you know, guess how many hours I was on underdog last week? What's twenty four times seven? Yeah, twelve hours. <laughs> wow. Twelve hours. That's that's problematic. <laughs> All right. 
yeah, I'm, I, I have, I have yet to put underdog uh, on my phone, but it, it's coming. I'm like, I'm, I'm probably not going to play any DFS this week. Actually, um, I just had a bad second half of the season, and I'm already fully invested in Eagles Giants, and don't want to have any level of conflicted rooting interests. So I think I'm calling it a season on DFS. But after my my little taste of of best ball, I will almost assuredly jump aboard the underdog train next season. Oh. I just I need a little breather between now and then. But uh, but I'm 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 fired up to give that a shot next year. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. And that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to this week's guest, David Maximum Payne Purdom. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, I know you have a passionate rant ready to fire out of the rant cannon this week. So please take us out. Eh. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. No, right. I, listen, I wrote about it on Sports Handle. Uh, you know, it's interesting. In Massachusetts, the gaming commission there, you know, they're getting ready to, to launch mobile. And they, they brought up the topic of limiting. Right. And they're looking into it and seeing what happens. I'm sure nothing's going to come of it. Right. But something should come of it. Uh, it's it is it's it's good. I think it has the potential to completely ruin sports betting the entire industry. I know that's like a big statement. I got limited at bet 365. I am down money at bet 365. I'm down over like 11, almost $1,200. Right. I got limited. I was arbing. I'm listen, make no mistake about it. I was using their lines and you, and betting against them on other sites and making money. Right. Okay, fine. Uh, have your opinion on, on arbing, whatever. But the point is I was betting their odds and I wasn't no boost, no nothing. I was just betting their odds, their posted odds. I get booted, right? I can't get a penny down on some markets right now. Literally, I'm right. not. I'm, this is not exaggeration. I cannot get a penny down on some markets now. Listen, this argument is old to a lot of people. I understand that. I I think these sports betting companies are going to end up shooting themselves in the foot and getting bad press. Just today, as a matter of fact, uh, in the you know the the. Uh, New Jersey, NJ.com, which is right. New Jersey's like biggest, you know, news website, you know, the Star Ledger. Some guy wrote an op-ed saying, don't, if you're, if you haven't done it yet, don't start sports betting because you're going to get limited like I did. It's a problem. It needs to be addressed. I, I can only hope that the circus of the world like ramp up and, you know, and, and sport trade ramps up where people can bet without fear of being limited at minimum, at minimum. If, if you're down to a sports book, they should not be allowed to limit you. That, that should be a law. Yeah. Like, I, like that's because that, I mean, they took my money, Bet365, and said, bugger off. You know, that ain't cool. That ain't cool. How am I supposed to wait for it? Gamble on. Gamble on.